0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet the football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, that's C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you win. You get paid, boys. It's Jeremy W. Miller. Neal the rebound. Kevin Olley brings
0: it up, throws it across. Miller for three. Ow! He banked it in. He banked it in, and the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. Eighteen points, nine rebounds, six oh, assists. G- oh, oh what the block. chicken! Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa! oh no! Oh, no right no! Don't, don't let him throw it down
1: like that. Victor on the deep ball.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 61 of the Born Ready 2-Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook and here with me today, my co-host Eric Hawk. And today uh, we have a special episode for you. We are continuing our Uh, division NBA division preview series where we're going through each division in the NBA all 30 NBA teams Uh, so far we've done the Atlantic division in the east and and the uh, northwest division in the western conference and today we have the central division so we're going to be going over the five teams in the central we got the bucks the pacers the pistons the Chicago Bulls and the Cavaliers on the list here today, so if you've listened to our other episodes, it'll be uh, same format as those, and then once we finish up here, we got a couple fun things we want to talk about before we dive in, though. I always have to ask you, Hawk, how has it, is it going? It's the middle of the week. How's your week been? It's been about a week since we last spoke. It's
0: been going great. Do you, uh, you ever watch Breaking Bad? Are you a Breaking Bad fan?
1: Yes. Yes, I am.
0: So I'm really jacked for this movie, and the only reason I'm jacked, I wouldn't really care about like a sequel or like a continuation story. But did
1: you watch Better Call Saul at all? Have you Have you watched that? Yes, I've watched every season. Okay, yeah. So
0: I'm rewatching Better Call Saul right now, and I just think it's awesome. I love how they bring in like the old characters that you love, like Mike and Gus, and then they have like the new characters that are still very good. I think those guys are some of the best, you know, storytellers. So. Just the, I think it's going to be focused on Aaron Paul after uh, the end of Breaking Bad, so that second trailer just dropped, so I'm running through all that, currently
1: getting getting ready. I think that comes out in, like, what, a week and a half? Yeah, I think it said it was coming on Netflix on October 11th.
0: Yeah, so other than work, I've been working, and I've been watching that, so that's, that's what I've been doing, and it's been great. No complaints, and uh, I think I'm going to be at the Purdue game this weekend, if anybody's out there play in Minnesota, other than that,
1: I don't really got any other updates. Yeah, they got a uh, 3.30 time, I know that for sure, so yeah. uh, you'll get some decent tailgating in, but knowing Purdue, you're probably going to get a shitty product on the field, so. Yeah can't wait (laughs) all right yeah and speaking of that as well i think uh the breaking bad aspect that you brought up i think that there's got to be at least a saul cameo or maybe somehow walter white i think he's going to be in it somehow i don't think he's going to be alive but somehow there'll be a cameo maybe it's a flashback or like a ghost for sure so yeah so i yeah i am very excited to see that uh Really, the trailers haven't dove much into what the story is going to be, but they've actually kept it pretty secret. There's only like three people that are listed that are like as part of the cast right now, and uh, I think that's going to be interesting because they don't want you to know who's going to be in it, so uh, I think it's going to be some pretty big names that you've seen from the show that'll be on there, so I'm excited for that. But. Definitely, definitely. Anyways, now on to what we're here for, the uh, Central Division Preview. Um, As I said, uh, we'll start here with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and it's just going to be uh, the same format that we've done here in the past, going over what they did last year and their offseason moves. So I'll start it off here with the Bucks. Last season they finished... 60-22, 60-22, and 22, and a very gr- good record there was good enough to get them to uh, first in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they went three series in the playoffs, defeating the Detroit Pistons 4-0 in a first-round sweep. Uh, the second round, they defeated the Boston Celtics 4-1. They lost a game one there and then came back and won four straight games to defeat the Celtics. And then in the conference finals, they lost to the... Uh, NBA, future NBA champion Toronto Raptors. They lost in six games to the Raptors. Um, some notable additions for the Bucks in the offseason. They added former Pacer shoot, starting shooting guard Wesley Matthews. Uh, they added Robin Lopez, uh, who they currently have Brooke Lopez on the team. So. This is the first time those two will be brothers, or excuse me, they've been brothers, but they'll be te- they'll be teammates together for the first time since college, I believe. I can't remember. I think they went to Stanford. I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. Stanford. Okay. Uh, they also added Kyle Korver. Uh, he's like 39 now, so uh, he'll be coming off the bench uh, just as a shooter. That's what he does. Can't play defense. And Dragon Bender. They added him from the Phoenix Suns. And I'm gonna to try to say this. They added uh, Giannis's brother, Thanasis. Thanasis. So I know I didn't. Yeah, pretty I, pretty I know I didn't say that right. But shout out to him. Um, draft picks wise, they didn't add anybody in the uh, last year's NBA draft. Um, notable departing players for the Bucks. They lost obviously Malcolm Brogdon to the Pacers. Um, they ended up doing a sign and trade deal. They received some draft picks. And they, in in return, said they weren't going to match the contract. Not like they could have afforded it anyway. Um, They also lost Nikola Miritich. Uh, He ended up going back overseas. He's not going to be in the NBA next year. I don't know what country he went to. But he got a big deal overseas. And that Miritich deal kind of uh, impacted the Pacers as well because he was on the Jazz's radar. And because uh, they couldn't go after him... Uh, that led them to Bogdanovich, their second option. So a domino right there in Nikola Mirotic for the Pacers. And then also they lost Tony Snell. So uh, you gain something by losing something there. Uh, they're over under for the year's 57.5. Uh, so uh, they're expecting them to take a little bit of a dip back in the win column this season. Uh, projected starters for the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe at the point guard Wesley Matthews at the shooting guard Chris Middleton Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez uh, Their bench is expected to be filled by George Hill Sterling Brown, Kyle Korver Ersan Ilyasova, and Robin Lopez They are coached I believe in a second season now with the Bucs uh, Mike Budenholzer So thoughts on the Bucks?
0: Um, first off, last year, 60-22, like you said, to top it off. Best record in the NBA. That's that's impressive feat just in itself in a league with the Warriors. And uh, so that alone is impressive. You got the addition of Giannis's brother. And then you got
1: the GM. I think he just got fined for tampering with his own player. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. He was fined, uh, I don't know how much, but he was fined for tampering with Giannis for saying that he was going to offer him a super max.
0: Yeah, next summer. So I, <laughs> the NBA is in such a weird spot right now with players, you know, foregoing supermaxes and, you know, tampering being such a big issue. This is just another cog in the wheel. Apparently you can't even tell guys on your own team you, you want them to reassign. So I, I don't know. Are we all just going to, you know, take the names off the front of the jury? Are we all just going to play together? Like is it just going to be a pickup game
1: in like a few years? Yeah, I, I just don't I, – I mean, I think that's a that's a stupid fine. I mean, I get that they're trying to crack down on the rules uh, with, you know, what the Lakers have done in the last couple of years. I understand that. But to find somebody who's currently under contract with your team, and it's not like it's any secret. Everybody knows that's what's going to happen. He didn't have to come out and say that. So to find him for that, I think, is just complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, but
0: just going with that whole thing, Giannis in general, I mean – They literally struck gold. I mean, probably the luckiest or, let's say, the most influential draft pick, maybe other than Kawhi, like for a mid-level guy or late first-round
1: guy, would you say? Yeah, I mean, and if you look at that draft, um, that draft draft class isn't very talented. I mean, you had Oladipo. He was in that same draft class. He went second overall, but number one overall was Anthony Bennett. Um, and then uh, you had Cody Zeller up there. I can't remember who was drafted third, but that draft class was so weak. And, yeah, they took an ultimate project. Uh, they picked him somewhere in the teens. And, I mean, the, his first couple years, especially his first year, you really couldn't see it. I mean, you could, see, you could maybe see flashes, but by his second and third year, you just knew this guy was going to be, like, really special. And now he's – arguably the best player in the NBA. So um, the Bucks, thanks to him um, and thanks to what they've put around him, they've, they've put a big emphasis on shooting. I love Budenholzer as a coach. Um, I thought he did a great job at Atlanta. Uh, really had no reason to fire him there. So they have a great coach. Uh, they surrounded Giannis with uh, some great talent shooting-wise. Uh, Middleton, they might have overpaid for him a little bit, but he's a solid piece. Um, the only thing I don't really like about their team is starting point guard wise with Eric Bledsoe. Um, yeah, I think he's he's kind of been a
0: like a, a bust for them in a way. Yeah, he traded for him two years ago. He hasn't really, you know, put up the numbers or you know had the big games. But Brogdon took a lot of that. You know, just coming up and being the rookie of the year his first year, and then having from then on, you know, he went through an injury and then just came back and played pretty well. So that took a little bit from him, but. I always compare what the Bucks did last year to what the dream scenario the Cavaliers were trying to do when they had LeBron. You know, they, everyone always said, you got to surround this guy with shooters. You got to give, you know, this guy a point guard that can distribute the ball a little better. And I thought last year's team, you know, around a guy like Giannis was just perfectly built and they had the right coach, you know, a guy like Budenholzer that just encouraged everyone to shoot, shoot, shoot. We're going to, we're going to win the NBA this modern way. And, if it wasn't for Kawhi, you know, shutting down Giannis, which was, you know, just an impressive feat in itself. I think they had a 1-0 series lead in that series. They could easily, you know, be the champions with the injuries that, you know, Golden State went through. It would have went down differently, obviously. They might not have won, but you can make a claim that, you know, they were right there as well. So, I, I think losing Brogdon, though, and is gonna hurt them for that over under at the end
1: of the day. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, if they if they had if they could go back in time right now, they would certainly not give Bledsoe that deal they gave him. I think last year, the beginning of last year, the year before, whatever it was, uh, just so that they could afford to pay Brockton, and he would obviously be their starting point guard. So um, I think they regret giving Bledsoe that contract. I think the fans there regret or they're, they're upset about that. They would have much rather preferred to keep Brogdon based off what I've seen. Um, And so, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I I think over under wise, um, I could probably definitely, I lean maybe on the under with them. Just, I don't think, I still think they're going to be a top two seed in the East um, but I mean, winning sixty games in the NBA is tough, and yes. you know they stayed relatively healthy last season. Who knows what could happen? Um, and I mean, how about Brooke Lopez as well? I mean, the guy has completely re-transform, retransformed his game. Uh, he used to be known for a guy who would just you know post moves and things like that. Someone who would you know bang down low, and he's just now thought of as a shoot an outside uh, threat. So completely transformed his game just so he could stay in the NBA um, and make, make an impact and he got paid a lot of money this offseason so with that being said I, I do agree I, I probably lean towards the under on them s- this season I think they might have taken a bit of a step back but they're still going to be a top two uh, two team in the east in my eyes
0: Yeah. alright you want to move on to the Pacers here I'll, I'll go
1: ahead and get started yep
0: last year they were 48 and 34. Your Indiana Pacers were, and we got swept by the Celtics in the first round, as we all remember. Notable additions for the Pacers this year: Malcolm Brogdon, Justin Holiday, T.J. Warren, Jeremy Lamb, T.J. McConnell, and uh, we drafted Goga Batadze.
1: Bitadze? Do, do we know how to pronounce that last name? Bitadze. Bitadze at 18. Notable guys
0: we lost Bojan Bogdanovich, hit the damn music, Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans, Thad Young, Wesley Matthews, um, the richest man in the world, Corey Joseph with the Kings, and Kyle O'Quinn. Our Vegas over under this year is 47.5, so damn near identical to what we did last year. Projected starters for the Pacers Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Elodipo when he's healthy. TJ Warren, Domantas Sabonis, and Miles Turner. Off the bench, we got Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott in the second year, Deal, TJ Leaf, and Goga. And we are obviously coached by Nate McMillan. What year is this for Nate? Year five? Uh, This is year f-
1: 16, 17, 18. Year four. Year four, yeah. Yep. I don't
0: think we got to. Let's start with Aaron what do you, what would you grade Nate's job as a coach since then? Cause we called McMuffin every now and then, you know, we've got on him maybe I'd say two years ago, maybe was one of his lesser, you know, important coaching. I don't even want to say that. I think he's done a fine job. What, what would you grade him?
1: Yeah. I mean, when they initially hired him, I was disappointed. I mean, he hadn't been a coach for several years. Uh, last time he had coached was with the Blazers and that didn't yeah. really work out well. Uh, he had a, one good season when he was coach of the Sonics and they made a, I think they made it the second round of the playoffs. So I wasn't very thrilled with the hiring at the beginning, uh, his first season there, um, when they made all those weird signings, uh, they had, uh, got it. Jeff Teague. And then, uh, Al Jefferson. And I can't even remember who else. Cause that team was just so bad. Um, it was the Paul George team. Um, and they ended up being the seventh seed. I mean, I, when you look back at that team, I mean, I thought that team was going to be good and they ended up just being a weird concoction put together. So it was, it was really a, a, you know, on his part, if you look back on that, I mean, he did a pretty decent job with such a terrible roster to get him to even into the playoffs. And obviously we know the 17, 18 team, one of our favorite Pacers teams of all time. Uh, You know, coaching wise had a lot to do with that. Um, It, in last season, I mean, Oladipo goes out and you still get 48 wins. So, I can't knock him for that. I know he's got his flaws. Uh, people like to come down on him about his rotations and uh, adjustments during the game and things like that. And he's, he's kind of a stubborn dude. But, like, I think, you know, I think we need to cut him some slack. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, this year is an important year for him. But people need to at least – like appreciate that you know these teams aren't are, are are very well coached. I mean, they have you know Dan Burke obviously uh, it does a great job with the defensive end side of the ball. Uh, the one thing that we do ask of Nate is we want to see better offense uh, in an offensive league. You want to see results on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, Pritchard has done that this off season. So if the Pacers come back this season and offensively they just stink. Then I think you know it's a good opportunity to start criticizing him again, and you know what? Come on, Nate, we gave you these offensive pieces. What's up? Um, so, but 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 yeah, like you said, I I think that you know, given what he's had, I I can't complain with the job that he's done so far. And I know I kind of went on a tangent there, but that that's what I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: what about the over under forty seven and a
1: half? Um, I I think. Oh man, I uh. It all depends on obviously Oladipo coming back, and when he does come back, it's not like he's going to be playing thirty minutes a game. I'm sure he's going to be sitting on back to backs. I'm sure he's going to be, you know, have a minute restriction, fifteen to twenty minutes a game there at the beginning. So, I, I probably, you know, the bias in me says over, and it just feels like, you know, even without Victor, this this team still seems pretty talented. Um, I, I really do expect Sabonis to take another step this season, on especially on the offensive side of the ball, just by getting more minutes and being a starter. Um, really love the Malcolm Brogdon signing. If everybody can stay healthy, and, you know, that's knock on wood. You never know what can happen. I mean, I would hit the over on this team. Okay, next, go through the notable additions
0: and give me one big thing the paces this year, starting with Brogdon. What's the one thing he's going to bring maybe we didn't have last year, or he's just going to bring every night?
1: Uh, The one thing with Brogdon is uh, the thing that we really lacked with Darren Collison was the defensive side of the ball. Um, With Collison, you were always worried about, you know, you had point guards probably the deepest, if not, is one of the deepest positions in the NBA. So every night he was defending Uh, you know, the top player on the other team. And it just, I mean, I can't give you the exact statistics, but Brogdon brings a guy who is, you know, efficient on the defensive end. And the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is the pairing of him and Victor in the backcourt. I think defensively, like other opposing backcourts are going to hate going up against both of them. Because, I mean, you could switch both of them on the defensive side of the ball, Offensively, one of them could bring the ball up. The other one can play offside the, off of the ball. Collison really couldn't do a good job of that playing off the ball, but Brogdon obviously has shown that he can. So I just love specifically with the Brogdon signing is that the guard positions aren't really point guard and shooting guard in my eyes. It's just they're the guards. One of them can bring the ball up, one of them can play off the ball, and they can guard both positions. Uh, on the other side of the ball So I'm most looking forward to that with Brogdon
0: Yeah And another guy on this list I'm just going to say TJ McConnell I think he's going to end up playing Big minutes at some point in the year He's going to have some good games Just his experience is invaluable And you know, I, I don't know how good of a defender he is I don't think he's a great defender But I think as far as that Corey Joseph guy Maybe probably less minutes at the end of the day But it, that's a fine replacement in my eyes really
1: Yeah, I like the McConnell signing. I think we've seen some interviews where uh, I think uh, Pritchard views him as kind of being the the Al Jefferson type player in the locker room, somebody that, you know, keeps the team together and is a voice of, you know, the team. And so I think, you know, he was well-respected in Philly, uh, I think just because he was a superb teammate. So that's why I really like that. Uh, T.J. Warren, I think, you know, he's played on a real for a really bad franchise for all of his career. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do when he's playing for, you know, an actual, uh, not NBA contender, but a, a very, you know, well-respected team in the NBA. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Jerm- yes, he dad in that
0: way. He just came from some crap teams and no one really expected much from him. And he got here and surprised us all and became our favorite Pacer, you know? Yeah,
1: and then Jeremy Lamb, I think that was a great contract. I think it was three years, $10 million a year. So uh he's a guy that, you know, you think of him as just a shooter, but if you watch some of his highlights uh, in Charlotte, he's really good at uh, driving and shooting off the dribble. So um, I'm excited to see him as well. But one of the signings I really like was Justin Holliday, um, the one that, you know, isn't very much talked about. He's... uh I think he's a player that's going to – first off, you know, as I put here on the bench, I have six guys listed. Um, really, I think it only should be four. I don't think TJ Leaf and Doug McDermott should be playing, and I think it would be a disservice to this team if when Oladipo comes back that McDermott gets minutes over Justin Holiday Because I think Justin Holiday is the type of guy that can finish games for the Pacers, not for his offensive – not for his off- offense but because defensively he's he's a very good defender. So um he's a guy I can definitely see finishing games for the Pacers. Um and I really favor him in the bench unit over McDermott and Leaf. I know some people like Doug McDermott cuz I think he can shoot. I think he's a little overrated. Um everybody knows our thoughts on McDermott on the podcast. Um so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say over. I'm a little biased on that. I'll admit it. But what do you think, over or under?
0: I think if we, could, we, we looked at our schedule and we saw it was easier to start the year and it got harder and hopefully there's been reports that Olajivo is going to be back way sooner than people believe. I don't know how much stock to put into that yet. <clears throat> I'll believe it when I see him out there. But for that reason and just because I think we're incredibly deep now compared to years past, Um, especially when Victor's healthy, I'm going to say over as well. Yeah.
1: I would agree. All right. Let's move on to – obviously, we're going to, I mean, have tons of talk about the Pacers. So, um, moving on to the Detroit Pistons. They finished third in the division last season. Uh, They were 41-41, and ended up being eighth in the Eastern Conference. They got the final playoff spot there. They were swept in the first round to the Milwaukee – they were swept in the first round by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, some notable additions for the Pistons. They got uh, Derek Rose, Tony Snell, Markeith Morris, Tim Frazier, and they also just signed Joe Johnson from the uh, Big Three League. Yep. Uh, draft picks wise, and I, 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 I'm I, going to struggle with this, Sekou Sek- Dumb- Dumbayo. Sekou <laughs> Dumbayo. Yeah. All right, that's good enough. He was drafted 15th overall by the Pistons. They also selected a guy named Jordan Bone 57th overall in the second round. Notable departing players for the Pistons, nothing really pretty here. They lost Wayne Ellington, Glenn Robinson the 3rd. He went out to Golden State, and they also lost Ish Smith, who was their backup point guard. Their over/under this season is projected at 37.5. Projected starters this year for the Pistons Reggie Jackson Bruce Brown Tony Snell uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond Uh, Their bench is uh, Projected to have Derek Rose Luke Kennard who could also possibly Be that shooting guard starter over Brown Sick whatever Dumbuyo Markeith Morris and Thon Maker Also adding Joe Johnson to the mix there as well They are head coached by Dwayne Casey. So I know my thoughts on the Pistons and their roster and what they've done this offseason. What do you think?
0: Yuck. Yeah. I mean, if the only move you really make addition wise is Derek Rose, yuck. I mean, this is a non playoff team over 37.5, in my eyes.
1: You're saying over, you think they make over 37? Under 37. Okay. Yeah, this team, I mean, I feel bad for Blake Griffin. He signed that big deal with the Clippers. They ended up shipping his ass to Detroit. I mean, it's just – ever. I mean, and if you think about it, 2000 to 2010, they were such a well run franchise, and I hate saying that because they were our rival then, but yeah. they made it to like four or five conference finals then. They obviously – they made it to two NBA finals. They won an NBA championship in 2004. And now, I mean, the last 10 years, they there's just been an absolute joke. Um, they've made the playoffs. I think two or three times in the last 10 years. This roster is God awful And I think they just need to start over. I think they need to get rid of both Drummond and Blake Griffin Uh, let them go elsewhere and they just have to start over their draft picks haven't hit at at all Um, as you can see from the players that we've listed uh, drafting hasn't been a positive for the Pistons and um i mean just their their bench is terrible their starters besides Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are terrible Andre Drummond doesn't really fit in the nba that of today um so yeah i just i i hate this team and the ceiling for them is the 8th seed once again if they if they do anything Blake Griffin's going to have to have like a mvp season and i just don't see it this team's really bad and i'm going to say under as well
0: this team makes the playoffs. Dwayne Casey deserves another Coach of the Year. Yep,
1: that's I'll, all I'm gonna say. Yep, I'll
0: agree. All right, next up, the Chicago Bulls. Last year they were 22 and 60, 13th in the Eastern Conference. Very impressive. Notable additions: former Pacer Thad Young and Th- Thomas Saransky. Also, they added Luke Cornett. Um, their draft picks: Kobe White number seven and daniel gafford at 38 notable departing players robin L- lopez last year or their over under for this year is 32 and a half games little spoiler i'll be hitting that under projected starters thomas sadaransky zach levine otto porter Lori marketin and wendell carter jr their bench includes kobe white chris dunn denzel valentine thad young and Cristiano felicio and their head coach is Jim Boylan. This team is a dumpster fire. Um, I kind of like their bench. That being said, if, if Kobe White's any good, I think their bench is fine. Other than that, don't really like their team. What, are you, what thoughts for you?
1: Oh, Yeah, this team, um, They first off, they don't know what to do with Chris Dunn now. They got Tomas Sanaransky from the Wizards. Um, yeah. So they have three point guards. They're going to have to get rid of Chris Dunn at some point. Um, he's definitely not lived up to expectations. A lot of people were projecting him to be a stud, NBA point guard, and he just hasn't lived up to the hype. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, this is another case of, with the exception of mark and I mean just draft pick wise, they haven't been hitting on that. We'll see about Wendell Carter Jr. this year if he can take that next step, and Kobe White as well. I think he'll be a starter by the end of the year when it's all said and done. But with Jim Boylan, I mean, Thad Young is the type of player that Jim Boylan wants on his team. I don't know if you remember seeing last year, Boylan's the guy that's just on the sidelines who looks like he's about to have a heart attack at every point of the game. Uh, he, he, he's got to have the highest blood pressure I've ever seen. The guy's just electric. I mean, he was an assistant for the Pacers there, I think, for one or two seasons, and uh, Guys, electric on the sideline, so I think Thad Young's going to play a decent amount of minutes. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Markinen and playing together in the starting lineup uh, a lot of games, just because Boylan favors those players. He doesn't really favor talent as much as he favors guys who will go out there and work their asses off, which is why he benched Jabari Parker a lot in last season's games. So I do not like this team. Um,. But I like them a lot more than the Pistons. So, I'm going to actually say on the Chicago Bulls, I'm going to go over. Really? Yep. Okay, there you go. So, all right. To conclude here, got the uh, last team in the division. Um, I think after reading this team, you might think they are the worst. So, Cleveland Cavaliers. Last season, they were 19-63. and 63. They were 14th in the Eastern Conference, only ahead of the Garbage New York Knicks. Their notable addition this offseason, there was only one they signed, Jarrell Martin. Ouch. Uh, Draft picks-wise, this is where they ended up getting their uh, key additions. They drafted Darius Garland, 5th overall. Uh, Dylan Windler, 26th overall. And Kevin Porter Jr., 30th overall. So three first round picks there. Uh, notable departing players for them J.R. Smith, uh, he is now a free agent, and David Nwaba. Their over under for this season is 24.5. Projected starters for the Cavaliers Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Chaddy Osman, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. Uh, Their bench is expected to be filled out by Brandon Knight, Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Porter Jr., Dylan Windler, Larry Nance, and Ante Zizic. They're head coached in his first season from the University of Michigan, John Beeline. So, what do you think about the Cavs?
0: First off, I just I'm shocked. Beeline took an NBA job. Are you as shocked as I am, or you think just the money talks?
1: Yeah, I mean obviously the money talks. But Mike, I was when I saw that news. I, I was, I was very shocked. I thought he had a decent gig there at Michigan. He's taken him to a national title and a couple Final Fours. So um, you know, I I was very shocked that he would jump on the opportunity to go to the NBA, especially with such a bad uh, roster. He's going yeah. to have his work cut out for him. And I'm not saying that they're going to have a good record. It, it'd be false expectations for us to expect anything from Beeline to get this team to a decent amount of wins. Uh, but if we see this team being like, you know, a tough out every night and, uh, you know, just not getting their asses kicked is what I'm trying to say, then, you know, maybe we can see if it translates to the NBA. But my prediction is, you know, he lasts maybe three or four years. Uh, he has a very bad record in the NBA, not because he's a bad coach, but because he's got bad talent around him and he goes back to college.
0: Yeah, the key for Beeline is to get Sexton and Garland to buy in. I mean, if you get those two to buy in, I really don't think the franchise is in a terrible spot. You, and maybe like a guy like Larry Nance, Chetty Oseman, you get those guys to buy in too. you got a good core going forward. and The deadline comes up. Maybe they're bad, but they look pretty well coached. You make a couple moves, get rid of guys like Love, Thompson, maybe you're having decent years and get something back and then go into next year with another high pick. I mean, I I really don't think they're in that bad of a spot just because of that. And I think if Garland's good, Sexton, he kind of improved a lot through the course of the year, I thought. So those two pieces alone are, are sexy enough for me to say this isn't, the worst spot as a franchise. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah.
1: I mean, if I, if I was ranking projected standings for next season, I would not have the Cavaliers as last in this division based on what I think, you know, the future holds and how they're set up for the next couple of seasons. That title definitely belongs to the Detroit Pistons. Um, um, So, yeah, I mean, as I had mentioned, they have, they had three first round picks and two of them were in the bottom five of the uh, first round, but still they got three, Three first-rounders, Kevin Porter Jr., there was a lot of talk of him going in the teens there for a little bit, so he dropped a little bit. So, I mean, they have options, they have young guys, um, and then like you had just mentioned, I definitely foresee them at some point getting off Kevin Love's deal and trading him out for some pieces to a contender. And then also Tristan Thompson, I don't know how much interest he would garner now at this point of his career, but... They have some guys that they can unload and just get younger. And then, like you said, get another draft pick for next year. So, yeah, they're not terribly set up. Um, but in terms of this season in the NBA, uh, they're not going to be good.
0: They're going to be bad. Yeah. 24 and a half is not up to you. I would take the under
1: on that. Yep. So, all right. That's the uh, five teams there. And now what we're going to do is rank them. So, Uh, We've done this on our previous episodes, so what we do is just rank them one through five from where we think they are going to finish in the division. So I'll go ahead and start. My number one in the Central Division this year is the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think that's any surprise there. Uh, Number two, right behind them, uh, the Indiana Pacers. With these two teams uh, and the other three in the division, I think there's quite a bit of separation between them. Uh, Even Vegas thinks they there's like an 11 game 10, 11 game difference between the Pacers and the Pistons. So there's a quite a big difference between the bucks and the Pacers and uh, the other three teams. there, finishing third in the division. And I finished them to, uh, or I predicted them to finish third last year and they disappointed me, but I'm going to ride that horse again. And I'm going with the Chicago bulls finishing third in the central division. I just absolutely hate the Pistons roster. I can't, I mean, I I hate it. It sucks. They're just terrible, so I cannot do it. I mean, I'm going Chicago Bulls number three. Number four, and like I just mentioned, I hate their roster, but I still think that, you know, they got veterans. They got Blake Griffin. I'm putting the Pistons at number four. Um, I don't like doing that. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be better than the Cavaliers, who I finish finishing fifth in the division. Um, so I got Bucks, Pacers, Bulls, Pistons, Cavs.
0: Yeah, for me, it's hard for me to do anything else. Because 1 and 5, I think this was the same for the Northwest Division for me, are locked in stone. There's no way the Bucks don't win unless Giannis gets injured. Only way. And there's no way the Cavaliers finish anything better than 5th in my eyes. So for me, I'm going to go 1 Bucs, 2 Pacers. I'll go 4 Pistons. Or three Pistons, four Bulls, and then five Cavs, just to be different. But I think you're spot on with your predictions. Huh? If we could put a large amount of money on how this just this division ends, I think like in the 90th percentile would put it the way you put it.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I could uh, – I mean, I just – I was surprised that the Pistons were as good as they were last year finishing with the eighth seed. But I just – I can't – I just – I can't with this team. I just can't. I don't, I don't know what it is, but they're just bad. If in, I mean, if you had – if the Detroit Pistons were – you know, if it was 2011, oh, I'd be hitting them right now and they'd be the number one team in this division. I mean, come on. Seriously, 2011, 2012, whatever it may be, can you imagine a lineup of Derrick Rose, Joe Johnson, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond? I mean, they would have been NBA champions like eight years ago, but yeah. not anymore, so – Alrighty, that's going to wrap up our Central Division preview. Um, let me see what we got next week. Next week, we will have the Southwest Division in the Western Conference that has the Rockets, the Spurs, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Mavericks. So, five interesting teams there that we'll cover in next week's episode. So, that's going to wrap up. Like I said, the Central Division preview. Coming up next, we have a segment here where we're going to finish out with some random thoughts and NFL talk. And then I think there's also a little thing in there about overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm interested to get into that. So we'll be right back after this.
0: Hey, Chris, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Yes. (laughs) Specifically in the bedroom. Do you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? I know you do. Well, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them any time, day or night, on a full stomach or empty, and since they are chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill. Wow. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, because I know you like to seize an opportunity when you see it, Chris. Oh, absolutely. If you can benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most, Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Doctor's visits are literally the worst. They're made in the U.S. of A., and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and Chris. <laughs> Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. That is Armchair. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W promo code armchair to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
1: Football is back. AB is in Oakland, Le'Veon's with the Jets, OBJ and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed, though, where I'm placing my bets this season my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend my bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book period this year they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest first place is guaranteed to win at least hundred thousand dollars and it only costs one hundred dollars to enter all you got to do is pick five nfl games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why MyBookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, double your first deposit. Put in $100 and MyBookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR when creating your account to claim the bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid. All right. We are back. And I think we're just going to go ahead. I had mentioned right before um, we ended the division previews that we're going to talk about overrated quarterbacks. And I think we're just going to go ahead and start right with that from the get-go. Um, I think that you put together maybe a few more names than I did Um and the guy I want to talk about, I think I kind of want to talk about last. So I'm going to have you go first, and then we can talk about my guy later.
0: Okay, perfect. So I compiled a list here, and it's a list of a ranking of quarterbacks in the NFL I take, and it's separated by a tag. I think it goes to a point where you're just an idiot. If you think this level of quarterbacks overrated so first up, let's start down the line. I think Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Lamar Jackson. That would be my top six or seven guys. And then from then it goes for me, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett. I have him right above Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo, Stafford, Mayfield, and then cousins for me is a line where anything after Cousins, I don't think you can consider overrated. Guys like Jameis, he sucks. We all know he sucks. He had one good week against a shit team. Sucks. And they lost. So, I mean, you can't even give him that. Mariota, I mean, come on. The Colts just don't lose to him. Every time we play him, he shits down his leg. Trubisky, I mean, Jesus Christ. This guy can't throw a Nerf ball 20 yards. (laughs) Derek Carr, absolute. I mean, Derek Carr is one of those ones maybe I could see just because of his injury history. But even then, I mean, he doesn't win games. I feel like he never beats any good teams. Joe Flacco, and the only saving grace is his Super Bowl, but he's at a point now where I don't even think you can judge him. We all agree he's bad. Andy Dalton, he's a guy that's going to put up yards, never wins games. So I, I can't put him overrated or underrated in any way. I just think he's average to shitty. And then guys on my don't-know list include um, Murray, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Mason Rudolph, Daniel Jones, and Gardner Minshew. So from that top list, i got a couple guys that I put stars by that I think you can make a reasonable case that are overrated. First up, Matthew Stafford. And, And the thing with Stafford is he just doesn't win playoff games. I can't even remember I don't even think he's ever been in an NFC championship game. No. Always playing on Thanksgiving, so just always in your face. And he's a guy that's going to put up big yards, so I can see maybe in Detroit, you just think he's in like a cesspool of losing. So that's one of those things that counteracts it. But for me, I would say he's overrated. Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. You know the injury last year, but he's 3-0, and and he's got a stable of running backs. He's in this offense. I can see that being a, a case. Jared Goff, he's another guy on my list, and strictly because of the Super Bowl last year, I think he would be my guy. If you want to claim Tom Brady's a system quarterback, I think Jared Goff's the new like system quarterback debate guy. And he didn't put up shit in the Super Bowl, and I, I think the Patriots D is obviously amazing, so... That's something, but you gotta you gotta score in the in the Super Bowl for Christ's sake. Dak Prescott, another guy, and I think maybe he's losing that tag as a a guy you could say is overrated, maybe. But at the same time, I don't I don't think he's a pure passer, and I don't know if they've really played anybody. So I'm gonna leave him on my list, and then my golden cow, everybody's god, the person that can do no wrong, Aaron Rodgers, and there's a. There's a multitude of reasons why I think he's overrated. And it comes down to the end of the day, he's won one Super Bowl. And I don't even think they made the playoffs last year. And he had this crazy touchdown to interception ratio, blah, blah, blah. I'll say this, and he doesn't take the chances. He just he doesn't go out there and take the chances to get it done in like the big game. So this may be a stupid take, but I have always thought Aaron Rodgers is a little overrated for how well he's praised. It's like the greatest of all time. Well, the greatest of all time should be able to get it done in in worse situations, you think. Uh, We'll see with this new coach, but Aaron Rodgers, I think, is my overrated guy. And it's coming from a fantasy sample, too. He doesn't put up the big fantasy numbers anymore, so that's just me being a pissed-off fantasy owner as well, baby. Yeah,
1: I I would agree there with Rodgers, for sure, just simply because when you think about it, I mean, he's made it to what one super bowl uh he won but other than that there for like four or five seasons i mean he for sure was the best quarterback in the league but if you could i just don't see any way that you could put him in you know being the greatest quarterback of all time i i I just don't see it unless he wins maybe a couple more super bowls but um
0: there's also i guess you could say brady gets this tag a lot of a system quarterback but it's a system that doesn't exist without Tom Brady, and at this point, the man's got six Super Bowls. I, I there's, you just can't list him as overrated and sound like a sane, you know, normal functioning human being. Would you
1: agree with that? Oh yeah, I mean, you could maybe make that case, you know, maybe after the three Super Bowls, but still, then it was tough. Um, <laughs> and he's won three Super Bowls since then. I hate the Patriots. I don't like Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, if you think he's overrated, you need to get your life reevaluated cuz you don't just you're not just a system quarterback. You don't just win all of these Super Bowls by not being are the he is the best quarterback of all time. He's won 6 rings. I mean, you just you need to reevaluate reevaluate your life if if you think he's overrated.
0: And then there's a guy right on the cusp that I would claim is very much overrated and he's one of those guys where maybe some people wouldn't even think he's overrated, but for the amount of money he's made, I think Kirk Cousins is a prime example of an overrated quarterback. He's got two two more losses in his career than wins, and that's a stat alone. You know, last year he he very much underachieved, I thought, and but this year they got a good running game, so we'll see. You know, second year in Minnesota, but for now, I, I think he's very much overrated.
1: Yeah, I mean, the guy, I I can't even remember, but his record against like above five hundred teams is just terrible. Um, and yeah, he, the thing is in the NFL when you have, you know, I don't remember what, who else was in that quarterback class free agency wise with him. But like, if you're the top quarterback in a free agency period, like you're going to make buku bucks and the Vikings, I feel like are going to very much regret that contract. He is not very good in my eyes and, you know, going from a guy like, Luck and then you know, having to have a guy you know, up next like Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Colts fans, I'm not saying Brissett's gonna exactly work out, yada yada yada, but just feel blessed that you at least have a guy who can you know come in and at least be serviceable at the quarterback position rather than having to go pay 30 millions to Kirk Cousins. Just be happy about that.
0: Yeah, and Bleach Report did an all time list. And it's funny, their number one all time is Joe Namath, a guy that, you know, most casual sports fans or NFL fans has probably heard of. The man threw forty more forty seven more touchdowns or more interceptions than touchdowns. And his Super Bowl victory, the one, you know, that he came out proclaiming, he didn't even throw a touchdown. And he has a fifty career pass percentage. So these older quarterbacks, they didn't start putting up these godly numbers till recently. You can look at any of these old guys and you know, they don't have good stats by today's measures so that's like i can't put a guy like philip rivers on an an overrated list just because i think everyone kind of knows he's never got it done but you know he's a pretty good you know numbers guy and he's just been such a you know a bell cow for san diego for so long so i wouldn't put rivers on there i could see how maybe you could but
1: who do you got let's talk about who you have i have one guy on my list there you go that's all you need um, and you did mention him. Um, I love to mostly give this guy a lot of crap just because of uh, Jake Light, our you know co-host who never shows up. Um, and that is Baker Mayfield. Uh, Rex Rex Ryan put it best this week when he said that guy's overrated as hell. Um so shout out Rex. Rex has gotten some flack for that statement. Even Baker Mayfield uh you know clap back, which that seems like the only thing that Baker Mayfield's really good at is clapping back. Um he can only really come back when someone says something. And you know, he has a good comeback. Maybe his PR assistants really good and they give him some things to say. Um, So maybe his clapback game is not very good. It's just that he has time to prepare with what he wants to say back. But anyways, the reason why I have Baker Mayfield, not just because I want to piss Jake Light off, but because I've put together some things here, and I'm going to go over them with you. So 2019 statistics for Baker Mayfield. He's thrown for 805 passing yards. 325 of those yards were thrown against the depleted, shitty New York Jets in that Monday night football game that they should have won like 50 to nothing. Like it was it was ridiculous that the Browns only won that game by 20. But three three 325 of his yards this season were thrown against the Jets. So to start off the year right now, he has three touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's only completing 50% of his passes. So you're telling me a guy that has Nick Chubb Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and I know Jake will say something about that Njoku guy being hurt, but you're telling me you have those three weapons on offense and you've only thrown for 800 passing yards, three touchdowns, and five interceptions, and you're only completing 50% of your passes. How is that possible? It's a fair point. Um, All right, here's my other stats. In Baker's career, I think he started in week three or week four last season. He has one win against an actual playoff team in his career versus shitty-ass Joe Flacco and the Ravens before they made the move to uh, Lamar last season. So one win in his career, he's actually beaten a playoff team. The teams that he's beaten, he's beaten the Cincinnati Bengals twice. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. He's beaten the Denver Broncos. He's beaten the Carolina pa- Panthers, Falcons. He's beaten the Jets twice, and as I just mentioned, he beat the shitbag uh, Flacco uh, Baltimore Ravens. The other point I have here about Baker Mayfield is he likes to talk shit about other quarterbacks. He came out in August and mentioned something about The Giants overthinking it, and they shouldn't have taken uh, Daniel Jones. But here's a statistic for you. Daniel Jones, in one career start in the NFL, already has thrown more passing touchdowns this season than Baker Mayfield has. He had four passing touchdowns uh, last game. He's already thrown for more passing touchdowns in one game than Baker did in three. And my last point here, the Browns are about to be 1-6 we after week 7. Their schedule ahead is shitty. I hope they're 1-6. Forget Jake. Forget everything he stands for. Former Colts fan, turned Browns fan. I hate everything he stands for. He talks all this crap about the Colts. He's made fun of them. Andrew Luck, he's made fun of their retirement. He's given us crap for that. I'm glad Baker Mayfield sucks, and I hope he's a bust.
0: You know, I just wish he'd lose the under underdog, you know, stigma. This guy was a number one overall pick and he played at Oklahoma. Like, come on, you're not an underdog anymore. People, you set the rookie touchdown record. Great. I mean, you played some bad teams as we saw, and you can't beat good teams as, as we've seen. So I have no problem putting Baker at the top of this list. The one thing I will say about Baker is I don't think he turns the ball over that much. So going forward, obviously that's a plus, but at the same time, I, I think that's going to switch against these these tougher teams, and I think he's going to be forced to do more. And their offense just has not looked as impressive. So I think regressing in his second year, in a way, it's kind of scary. And if you're a Browns fan, you got to be nervous.
1: Yeah, I uh, I mean I don't think I would have this much hatred for him if it wasn't for Jake. That's yeah. what that's definitely a leading cause to it. Like I wouldn't care about the Browns because the Browns are just. They don't even exist. I mean, look at what they've done. They've done nothing. Um, so Browns fans don't have the right to talk any crap to us Colts fans. Uh, you know, win a playoff playoff game, then maybe you can come back and say something. So
0: We had a year that nobody in Indianapolis got that excited for last year other than when we went on that winning streak and we lost in the second round. I mean, if that was Cleveland, that would be their best football season in what? 30, 40
1: years? Yeah, I mean, it, that would that would be like them winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I just, you know, it, it's mostly just fun here. We're just poking fun at the guy. Um, I wouldn't have as much, like I said, you know, terrible thoughts towards Baker if it wasn't for Jake. But since he's not here on the podcast to defend himself and he's ignored us all day, that's what he gets. We're just going to come at his guy. So. Yep. Anyways, that'll conclude that, overrated quarterbacks. Anything else you want to mention about uh, week three of the NFL season that you saw? We were both at the Colts game. Colts pulled that one out against the Falcons. So what did you see, Colts-wise, NFL-wise, that you liked in week three?
0: Colts-wise, I think I kind of went how I expected, even up to the win. I I knew it was going to be close. I was really impressed with the way we played first half. Second half, I'd say maybe some things stalled. We went through a lot of injuries. It seemed like somebody was going down every other play. I think Kenny Moore went down for a little bit. Hooker obviously missing a couple weeks now. Leonard didn't play. Denico Autry went down at one point. T. Y. Hilton. Um, so it, it's we're hitting the injury bug part of the season, and I think these next three weeks are set in stone. I think we win at home against Oakland. All things considered, I think our running game should be able to establish, you know, maybe we win 21-14, but I I think we win. And then the next week we go to Kansas City, a game I'm currently very much considering going to on a Sunday night. Wow. That's all things considered. That's probably a loss. Um, We'll need T.Y. We'll need Leonard. We'll need everyone healthy to have a chance. I'm not saying we couldn't win. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go undefeated, but going to Arrowhead on a Sunday night you know that's tough I mean come on and then we go into the bye so the next three weeks in my eyes are set in stone the only way that gets disrupted is if we lose Sunday I don't see that happening I think Brissett's proven the haters wrong this week you know he had a 300 yard game I think the over under on the start of the season was how many touchdowns will just Kobe throw and it was like 17 or 18 he's already got seven I think it is so really happy he didn't have any turnovers i knew he wouldn't i knew he'd get that figured out but as far as the game it kind of went just julio jones killing us i mean freeman started the game with a bus you know busted run but other than that our defense held pretty stout and but just came down to julio i mean that guy julio and hooper were the guys that just killed us all day so we we showed some resilience I loved that last drive. I think we got the ball with, like, 3.50, four minutes to go, and we just kept getting first downs and iced the game. Ended on Jack Doyle. So that was awesome game. A little uh, cardiac Colts at the end of it, but going forward, I'm, I'm very happy and pleased. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think we were both on different end zones there, so I think they iced the game on your end zone. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, – First half, I mean, I think they were up what twenty to, I can't remember twenty to seven or something like that. They were, yeah. they were up big at half, and then you got news at halftime that Ty Hilton wasn't going to play in the second half. Right after he scored that touchdown before the half ended, so yeah, I was I got very nervous there, and then coming out at the first few minutes of the third, it just seemed like it was going to be one of those games where the Colts just blew it. And yeah, I know the defense gave up some big plays, but come on, you can't guard Julio Jones. He's that good. I mean, the guys just—I mean, the the balls he was catching. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So, what do you think about that PI that got called on Quincy on that last drive, they Um, obviously, if I was I thought that was
0: terrible. I yeah. thought he was clearly falling down right before Wilson's arm came on him, but he was already in the tripping backwards over himself, and the ball was five yards in front. I, I thought that
1: was a terrible ball. What it kind of looked like to me was it was like, uh, you know, NBA version right there of a wide receiver. It looked like Julio knew that he might have had a chance to get the call, so he kind of flopped a little bit, kind of what I saw from it. So uh, I think, speaking of that, I think the uh, pass interference challenge play is a complete waste. Um, just- such a waste. Like, it's, it's going to have to be ridiculously inconclusive, to, uh, even over like overturn a call. So it just seems like they just threw that in there to appease people after the blown call in the NFC championship. So I, I, I just think I just find that pointless, but yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. I, I, I mean, I was booing at the game. I thought, you know, that definitely looked like he was kind of selling it. Um, I wouldn't have called it, but you know, it's Julio Jones versus Quincy Wilson. I think, uh, I think the refs are going to give Julio the the benefit of the doubt in that situation, so that's why I kind of wasn't surprised there.
0: And Paris Campbell was one step away from breaking a return. Did you see that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He,
0: insane. Yeah. He, he's got that speed. He's going to get one of them this year, I hope, and really promising. And I thought, you know, Cary Willis, Kari Willis is going to have to step up, and he he's played really well lately, so. I think we're going to be fine losing Hooker for now, but obviously, you know, the second half of our season, we're going to need Hooker.
1: Yeah, and then last point from that game, too. How about Adam Vinatieri?
0: Uh, I was going to mean to bring that up as well. Uh, Like everyone knows listening, I'm I'm a huge Vinatieri guy. Always, always, like, (laughs) utmost supportive. I've never said a harsh, negative thing about the guy. I'm always on his side. That standing ovation where everyone was clapping, you know, when he first came out for that field goal in the first quarter, that was led by me. I started yelling. I was the first <laughs> one. Everyone copied me. Everybody knows that. So I saw it coming from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually surprised. Uh you know, a, a fair amount of people were standing up. I'd say at least three fourths of the crowd was standing up. Yeah, it was the
0: loudest to go? Was yeah. that first kick?
1: Other even than maybe b- the touchdowns we scored. And that, that was, was the got. that was before he even kicked it. So for those of you watching at TV, maybe you saw that, but it got very loud uh, right before he even had that uh, field goal attempt. And then didn't he barely even make it in? I was on the other he, side. He,
0: he shanked it off the the right and it bounced in. Yeah, but, left.
1: But it seemed like that's that's exactly what he needed though. He just needed it to go in because then the rest of his kicks, the rest of the day, felt like uh, they were just dead on. So, yeah,
0: I think we're I think we're good, and I, I like to think the fans got him out of the slump at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, all of the shit we were talking on Twitter and everything that that got him to reevaluate himself. So, yeah, of course. All right. Well, that's all I got here for today. Um, Colts are facing, like you said, the Raiders this weekend. And then also uh, Pacers training camp. Pacers training camp starts this Saturday. um, And the players are reporting back on Friday for uh, media day. So you can catch a live stream of that, I believe, starting at 10 a.m., uh, Oladipo is doing a press conference as well as Miles Turner. And then uh, Pat Boylan and Mark Boyle interview all of the players at like 1130 or something like that. So media day, I check it out every single year. I'm sure we'll be tweeting about it. Uh, that's on Friday this week. And training camp starts Monday. And then they play in India on October 4th, which is the following Friday. And I believe they play there at 930 a.m. So uh, they play two games uh, preseason-wise, I think, close. Uh, and I'm going to miss both of them because I, I am going to be in Cincinnati next weekend for a class, for, for work. So unfortunately, I won't be able to watch that 9.30 start time. But Pacers basketball is almost back. So having them back with the Colts is going to be great. Can't wait for that. Um Other than that, that's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Next week, like I said, uh, Southwest Division in the NBA. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next week.
0: See ya.